Welcome to Punta Vista episode 130. Uh, we are all here huddled in a bunker. An underground bunker waiting for the raging fires to pass by. Because uh, if you haven't heard, most of the country is on fire now. And this is how we live. And we love to see it. I'm Andrew. I am here with my friend Lucy. Hello. Everything is awful. It's just... It's just buttery smooth. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a good time. Uh, we're also here with Theo. Hi, Theo. Hey. How are you going? Now, I am going to say... Um, <sighs> It's convenient that we had my, my gamer room to convert into this bunker. It was underground already. Uh, I wish you'd have asked permission first, but I kind of understand that this was necessary. Again, nice to have been asked, but uh, you are welcome here. Please ask in the future. Nice to we, see you. We must ration the cans of Monster carefully. <laughs> we, need, we need to sustain ourselves over time. Uh, and of course, we also have Ben. Hello, Ben. Hey. Hi. It's lovely to be here. I'm uh, using one of Theo's gaming catheters. Uh, <laughs> because obviously the situation here is not fully... You know, facilities aren't there, but that's okay. Uh, we've got enough to last us a while. Mm-hmm. Now, we do, have, we do have the gaming catheters, but we also have the IV drips full of Monster Energy drink. Do <laughs> not, and I repeat, do not get them mixed up. It's a 50-50 mix of Monster Energy and Soylent, and it's actually everything the body needs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh but yeah as we said I, f- I feel like everybody's pretty aware that um great big chunks of southeast australia are on fire and have been for i think what is pretty much months now yeah uh since well the fire season started in like september this year uh which is very cool uh August 31st, I believe, is the official start date of the fire season, uh, which is a very long time. Uh, it's not just even the southeast of the country that's on fire. Uh, South Australia is also very, very heavily on fire. Tasmania, very heavily on fire. All of it is on fire. Uh, I think there are even some fires in WA as well. Uh, it's basically the entire country except the NT because there is nothing to burn there. Yeah, well, you know, let's not jinx it. That's, that's, let's not ask for trouble. And how many anything. Belgiums would you say that is? Are we approaching one Belgium, the I do standard have measure actually, of fire area? I have one country comparison in the notes here, but we'll, we'll get to that okay. in a little bit. My goodness. So, um, so, Ben, take us away. All right. So, um, as people in Australia probably would have noticed, it was fucking hot this year. It was real fucking hot. It was, in fact, the hottest year that we have ever had, uh, which is really cool. Uh, it was also the driest year that we've ever had, which is also super cool. So this year, we got a national average rainfall total of 277 millimetres. Uh, that is uh, record-breaking, obviously. The previous record low was 314 millilitres, and that was set in 1902. Uh, yeah, but it probably rained less at some point in the millennia before that. So <laughs> 10,000 years ago, I think yeah, you'll find. But, it doesn't uh, even mean anything. I'm sure the Bureau of Meteorology doctored all their records from 10,000 BC just to uh, appease the warmest. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so again, it was the hottest year as well. Uh, the average maximum temperature 
of 30.69 nice degrees was two degrees above the 1961 to 1990 average which is how we usually measure things the previous record was 30.19 that was in 2013 uh we kicked that one's ass uh we broke australia's hottest ever recorded day twice in two days uh which is super chill uh Mm. the previous record was established in 2013 it was 40.3 degrees on the 17th of december we hit 40.9 and then the next day we hit 41.9 so usually the last 10 times uh before 2013 including 2013 that that record was broken it was always by increments of less than 0.25 of a degree these two times we broke it it was by 0.6 of a degree and then an entire degree uh which uh this there was a csro climate scientist who was talking to the abc who said yep this is pretty much in, exactly in line with the between one degree and 1.5 degrees of global warming you reckons australia has experienced since 1920 it's a fun thought how much mm. difference does a degree make a lot it turns out huh uh, and oh. then what makes this even more spectacular is that all of this happened without an El Nino event, uh, which is what usually drives all the climate record-breaking uh, stuff in Australia. But we're done with El Ninos now, though, right? Yeah, we'll never get those again as far as right. I understand it. Yeah. As yeah, long as yeah. we don't get an El Nino, we're probably all right. Yeah, I think we cancelled our subscription to El Ninos. <laughs> you know, you just kind of let We've it go for a really now. long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, if I, am I correct in thinking that El Nino is Spanish for the Nino? The, the boy. Big boy, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> We're ditching the boy. Oh, boy. Uh, so, that is why, well, all of our fire seasons for like the last however long have been starting earlier and lasting longer. And because of these conditions, which is why we've had a particularly heinous one this year. And uh, that fire season has been chock full of fires. Uh, we have had fires in New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia, Tasmania, Victoria, Western Australia, and Andrew, as you are probably acutely aware, uh, you guys are staring straight down the barrel of some extremely bad-looking fires. Mm-hmm. Mm. Woohoo! Yep. Just trying to push that out of my mind. Yep. Well, uh, that's <laughs> a lovely reminder. Uh Apparently, that in itself is completely unprecedented. Uh, there was a guy from the fire centre at the University of Tasmania speaking to the Guardian saying that what makes this unprecedented is the fact that it is uh, the first time where there has been a fire from southern Queensland right through to New South Wales, into Gippsland, into the Adelaide Hills, near Perth, and on the east coast of Tasmania. It never spans the entire country, but here we are. It's it's hard to describe, like... Um like we have we have apps and stuff like that that are getting updated by the fire services and that sort of thing where you can look at a map where they're constantly sort of updating and overlaying um where the fire areas are and they keep expanding and that sort of stuff it's it's really hard to sort of communicate the scale of it in terms of just watching the the areas around you day by day and just continue to black out these larger and larger and larger areas of the map that are like the size of you know whole states in the u.s kind of Mm -hmm. thing oh let me provide you with a frame of reference which i'm sure will help you (laughs) so so far uh the fires have burned about 5.9 million hectares about 59,000 square kilometers which and i'm sure this will help is about the size of croatia (laughs) 
Oh. If you're not really familiar with how big Croatia is, it's about 5.9 million hectares. Well, from all the times that I've walked from one side of Croatia <laughs> to the other. <laughs> it takes really, way longer than you'd think. Yeah, yeah. And that really helps to inform my, my understanding of the scale. Uh, um, so far, an entire 20th, like 4% of New South Wales is either on fire right now or has been fire on fire so far this fire season. Uh, which seems like a lot. That seems like a fair chunk. It is. Let's be real. I wouldn't want less to be on fire. Just personally, I don't want to, <laughs> like, you guys probably have your own thoughts, but 4% seems too high for me. I just mm, feel like... Less. Less sounds good. If I'm Even. going somewhere, I don't want, like, a 1 in 20 chance that it's going to be on fire. I yeah. want, like, a 1 in 100, I feel is nice. 1%. Yeah. You know you're going for a driving holiday and you want to check google maps just see what the clearest route is mm-hmm. uh, um i don't want that but for seeing whether my destination or anywhere between me and my destination or me are currently on fire yeah it gives you that little notification it's like yeah. uh just hey. letting you know mm. this place is on fire do you still want to go hmm. no it turns out <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> Uh, all of these fires have meant that a whole bunch of coastal towns have been completely isolated uh, because, uh, and also the coastal towns were full because it's fucking Christmas and New Year's and everyone's like, well, let's go to the beach. That'll be lovely. And then they go to the beach and then God screams at them, you're trapped. Uh, and then you get these fucking insane photos of like 10,000 people on a beach in northern New South Wales, just like. With all of their horses and their dogs and their children under like some Blade Runner twenty forty nine fucking red skies, they're very uh, just upsetting. waiting to walk into the sea. If the fire comes, did not comes, like seeing those. Did not like seeing any of those photos from over here. Horrifying. Very unpleasant. Yeah, I bet you're starting to really regret moving overseas now, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Suppose I picked a good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's all. Everybody got twilight zoned when they said, "I'd live at the beach if if I could." And then, um, and then the plot said, "What if the only <laughs> if you place you could to? live was on the beach?" But then they said, uh, "Oh, it's okay. I could probably just drive out of here in my car." And then their car melted, and it was just yep. a series of mishaps that left them there. This doesn't happen all the time, by the way, for our overseas listeners. This is completely not normal. I feel like a lot of people think this is just like the Black Saturday or whatever black day it was, bushfires, and it is far or worse. Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. you gotta, you got to come up with a different thing for each new you one. you got to come up with a new all. name. Now this is a Tuesday. Smoky tornado. Tuesday. Charcoal Monday. The Fire Decade. Yeah. <laughs> Flame Grilled Friday. It's, um, oh. <laughs> oh boy! No. Whopper well, Friday, as we call try it. Try to try to alliterate them. Come on. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, this this of course is all a thing that I've just had some very direct experience with. Um, where so Canberra, where I live, um, is pretty far inland from the coast, um, and it you know takes sort of two or three hours to to get out to the coast from here depending on where you're going or any of the sort of coastal towns um but due to both the location of canberra and it turns out i guess kind of the geography of it as well a lot of it is in these kind of low-lying valleys um it means that a lot of the the smoke from bushfires in surrounding areas all gets pulled across by cool um ocean winds and then settles over the city here 
um, what we've had in recent, like maybe in the last week or so, is these um, weather events called, I, th- I think it was a temperature inversion, where the air gets pulled across from the bushfires over to our west um, and all gets pulled across the city down into the valleys and then um, like a, a, a little inversion of cool and hot air just forces the smoke down and won't let it get out which fucking rules we we love not being able to see more than like three or four hundred meters I think we've seen like People have been tracking, you know, the the um, metric of particulate matter, which is, you know, the oh, shit I look that at you it need to not day. be breathing. I've um, never looked at a government website more than yeah. the fucking air quality index every day. And so, day. like, a hundred is hazardous, right? Two, 200, uh, 200 is where it officially enters hazardous. Yes. Oh, okay, yep. Um, and we were seeing that in Sydney a little while ago where we were all, all across the southern suburbs. We were seeing like 250 people are just going, this is terrible. Uh, you know, I believe in Monash a day last week, we saw upwards of 1,500, it, which is so still technically hazardous, I believe. <laughs> it is still technically hazardous. So, so for me, over the last couple of weeks, it's it's regularly been over... Um, one thousand. So, Jesus Christ, fuck. which is which is just like thick smoke in the air. You look out the window, and like, if anything's further than sort of two houses away, it's all hazed out and everything. Um, it's all got Superman sixty four draw distance kind of stuff going on. But <laughs> very specific. Very specific and then, reference. <laughs> and then, um, last week, it went up to seven and a half thousand. Oh my god! Ah, which no, no, f- you must be mistaken, Andrew. That's simply uh, bad. That seems like that would almost be uh, the worst in the world for a major capital city. I believe it was measured and rated as the worst in the world um, at the time. It was like um, sort of mi- middle of the day, like one or two p.m. Streetlights on dark outside jesus christ kind of smoke and now, you young uh, kids must really enjoy that like for young nothing, children that's what you want nothing your kids love more on their summer holidays than um not being able to go outside at any point they only just finished school where they couldn't go outside for oh, the last christ. several weeks of term so they just kept them inside the classrooms every day and like we sort of we didn't put together for a little bit um that our, our older daughter, who is six, um, for like the last sort of week of her term, she was going to bed and then just getting back up every half an hour, 45 minutes and coming out and saying, I can't go to sleep. I can't go to sleep, which is not really like her. Like my kids are, my kids are really good at just going and getting into bed and... Nice kid brag. Go, yeah, nice. Going to Jesus Christ, man. Okay. Don't <laughs> well, need to show off. It's a nice way to live. We've... We've worked with them. (laughs) So, so generally speaking, we go and put them to bed at around their bedtime. And unless there's something different happening, they just drop off. You know, it's not a whole production. Um, So, yeah, she kept getting up over and over again. And um, one of the other mums of a kid at at, um, school said to my wife, yeah, it's because... like they're inside at home and then they go to school and then they keep them inside at lunchtime and they're like 
six-year-old kids who aren't able to just run around they have like all this energy that they haven't been able to burn off at any point during the day circadian rhythm's gonna be all off yeah that's so so we had all of that going on um we had yeah it had started to get to that point of being like seven eight nine hundred over a thousand um on the air quality index which for me was when it started to get to the point of like I don't feel like I can be outside without having something over my face. Um, And, you know, like I would go to work and get out of the car and have to walk a couple of blocks to get to my office and just feel, you know, like a burning in your throat the whole time you're breathing outside. Mm. Great stuff. So we went to... um, So for Christmas, we went to my uh, in-laws place in Victoria um in lakes entrance which is currently uh has had all of the people evacuated out of it all of the holiday makers evacuated but we went there because we were like um because a that's where we were going to spend christmas but also i was just i was starting to get like desperate to not be surrounded by smoke and i'm i'm not a person who is particularly prone to like getting like very emotional or panicky about things or anything like that um, my usual approach to a lot of stuff is just kind of, um, you know, is, is there something practical I can do about this or is there some kind of way in which I can solve this issue? And if there is genuinely nothing I can do, then I'm usually pretty good at saying, oh, well, time to just let go of that thing and not stress about it a whole bunch. Um, which, you know, I understand makes me one of those people that like, if I'm having a conversation with someone who's like, someone at my work is making me really mad by doing this thing i'm the person who says well what you should try doing is having a conversation with them in which you say x y and z and they go no i just wanted you to listen to me complain yeah you're that people that people fucking hate yeah Yeah, Yeah. that's you (laughs) so i'm not here to listen to your whinge folks so oh you've got a problem why didn't you just solve it yes uh however this has been an issue that over the course of weeks and weeks has just started to give me this feeling of like low-lying dread at all times that every time you wake up and look out the window to see how bad is it today and like it's it's one thing to see everything on the news and then it's another step up the scale to to literally be living in just constant reminder of what's going on and also the fact that it's having a really direct health impact on the people in your town a woman stepped off a plane yeah, just oh, died. Christ. And just died oh on the God. tarmac at the Canberra airport the other day. Yep, she arrived in Canberra and died in like 30 seconds. What? I haven't even heard about this. Yeah. Yep. Super fucking. She up. went into, um, not cardiac, what's the, what's the lung thing, arrest, uh, where you can't breathe. No breathitis. Some type of asphyxia. Mm-hmm. So, so also, yeah, it must like- be it must be cool to have to keep having the conversations like when, when you get up and it's 9 a.m. and... Uh, there's no sun yet because yep. it's, it's just dark because of the smoke and you know your kids like uh dad did we kill the sun I'm like no no honey we just blotted it out with poison has it's god fine. abandoned us has god abandoned us uh, in um, a way yes yes and you yeah, know what the fun cool. thing is is that uh this is not the only country that we're fucking up as well because all of that smoke and ash and dust is going all the way to new zealand where it is landing on glaciers, and then because it is turning the snow 
no longer white, which is obviously the colour that mm. absorbs the least light. Uh, it's speeding up their melting process by about an estimated 20 to 30%. Ben, I hate what you've just said, <laughs> and I wish you hadn't said it. I What's too hate it. Because uh, it's depressing you or because I got the thing wrong about white? Was I wrong about that? Oh, no, because it's depressing me. Oh, it's, okay. <laughs> uh, Everything yep. sucks. Yep, uh, I was just trying to buy... Um, I was just trying to buy some masks for myself oh. and my children to wear because um, you have to get a certain grade of, you have to get P2 filtering. Where do you um, even buy masks. these? Well, in Canberra, you buy them fucking nowhere. Right. Because they're sold oh. out everywhere. Um, Haven't and you? You're going to have to get the special ones for, how beardy are you at the moment? Um, I don't want to have to shave my beard. You're going to have to shave your fucking beard off or it's not going to work. Get a oh, cool anime right. one. Get a, like, Naruto Yeah, style. the Naruto mask. <laughs> yeah, I think I am getting one of them. I'm getting I'm getting one of the... I've, I've had to order them from interstate because you cannot buy them anywhere in Canberra. Oh, God. Um, I, and I got, like, a bunch of the sort of P2-rated ones with the little valve filter thing on it for, for my wife and kids and my parents. And I got myself one of the... One of, like, the big ones with the little, like, canister things on both sides. Mm. Um... Because I, I like I need one of them anyway for various things. Because um, any t- any time that I'm doing things like sanding stuff, um, it just like destroys all of my airways. Because luckily for me and my family, uh, we all have lots of issues with like asthma and all that kind of thing. Anyway, um, so I called I called Bunnings yesterday because like one thing was in stock on their website, and I was like, well, I'm not gonna waste the time going down there i'll just see if this is their, their website is notoriously bad for saying a thing is in stock and it's not um and i phoned up and got the hardware desk and asked the guy about the availability of masks and he said um he said the stuff we're getting isn't even making it to the shelves mm. he said we don't know when things when new stock is arriving but there's people just waiting in the store for when it does arrive um, and basically, the stock arrives, we turn around and hand it straight to those people, and then we're out of stock again. So anyway, uh, we, were in, we were in Victoria over Christmas, and I finally felt some kind of blessed relief from having several days of no bushfire smoke hanging around everywhere I was. Driving there, even just driving there, I, I just felt like this... this low thrum of anxiety the the whole way because it it still took maybe like a solid two to three hours of driving away from Canberra before it started to clear um in and just driving long distance and every hill that you crest and as far as you can see the horizon is still just blanketed in yellow smoke and you can't see anything in the distance and it's it's all thoroughly apocalyptic and shit so we came back from there for Christmas and it was good driving back into Canberra and back into the smoke. Great feeling. Um, and we had talked about going to the South Coast to stay with my parents because my parents have a house there and that's where they were going to be. And we thought we would just go down there for a couple of days and spend New Year's Eve with them. And we did have a lot of debate about whether or not it was the right thing to do. But basically, it was like, well, there's no smoke there. There had been some fires nearby, but they had all been downgraded to under control. 
the forecast was for we're not expecting any kind of you know danger or fires around here um and if we stayed in canberra we were just going to stay in thick horrible smoke or as we turned out to not be here for the level seven thousand unable to any light to penetrate uh level of smoke which we missed but we missed that because we decided to go to the south coast and we got there and then uh more fires started to happen and then more fires and then more fires and then the power got knocked out um because as we heard on abc emergency radio the only way that we were able to get any communication because the power got knocked out which meant that everybody's nbn got knocked out because the government's way of putting in nbn was to not run lines to houses or anything like that it's to say hey we'll give everybody some some wi-fi we'll do some satellite stuff all that sort of thing so if you don't have electricity running to your house that's it we probably won't be in that kind of situation though like those uh that combination of factors where uh, you might lose power, but also need to communicate with the outside world in some sort of no, emergency. No, and we certainly won't be talking about it. Um, so, yeah, the power went out. The smoke kept getting thicker. Uh, everybody's phone reception stopped working. Um, and so, basically, the only thing that we could do was sit in the house with our kids and listen to ABC emergency radio as they talked about which highways around us were being closed down and how the place we were in was too late to leave now. Um, and we did all of our... It's it's fun to pack, like, go bags while your children ask what's going on. Um, we all love to do that. Uh, so, yeah, the kids' bit of holiday over New Year's Eve was to sit in a dark house with some candles. Um... We had to try and keep them entertained while we just stayed in a house with big thick smoke going outside. They were entertained when a RFS firefighting helicopter landed on the front lawn. Um, huh. Yeah. So we started to hear, like, see more and more choppers everywhere and the, the fire bombarding planes and that sort of stuff. And it's just the whole thing... Yeah, the, so the chopper landed on the front lawn um, so that they could get refueled because they were landing on highways nearby to refuel that had been closed down. Um, but it was too dangerous due to both wind and the fact that everything around them was burning. Um, so they had to land in the nearby town and it turned out they landed like directly outside the house that we were staying in, which the kids thought was pretty exciting. It's like you've got your own um, personal air show. Except it's probably less dangerous. Well, it was like gale force winds at the same time as well. Mm. So, like, I was strangely nervous about, like, standing on the balcony of a house um, in gale force winds where a chopper was, like, wobbly trying to land, like, 20 meters away from us. Because I was like, don't things go wrong at air shows sometimes? Um, I think every air show has to have at least one crash or it's not officially an air show. One mandatory crash, yeah. Yeah. And it has um, to be into a, a stand. Like, it has to be into the crowd. Yeah. So that happened, and the kids were very excited by it. And so the whole thing for us turned into, what the fuck are we going to do? Um, and just listening to ABC Radio, which I think we can all agree was an absolute godsend. Um, there are 
people out there who are trying to talk shit about the ABC and their coverage and everything during all of this. But it was literally the only way that anybody in that town was getting any information about what was happening, which roads coming in and out of the, the town that they were in were open and closed, which highways nearby were open and closed, when and where they were going to be able to get out, um, how to get emergency supplies from places near you. Um, but yeah, basically just heaps of towns throughout there, like towns that we have had driven through on the way there had that fire had gone like through the main street of the town and burned down lots of these old heritage buildings and all that sort of stuff um we were really lucky obviously to not be in the group of people who had to be like evacuated out to the water or to try and like escape by boat or anything like that um but it did get to the point like with the power being out they said it might be out for a week because 150 power poles had burned down along the highway and they were like how long will it take us to fix that we don't really know um so cool this all sounds so good and normal it was really it was it was a nice i was so glad to finally be off work after not having a problem (laughs) holiday for ages and to, to do a bit of relaxing so this is a wonderful way to do it um, so then we finally got to the point of we, we were just trying to figure out what we were going to do and then the message from emergency services started to come out which was we are clearing the highways as quickly as we can we are clearing the roads in and out of the town as quickly as we can um, everybody who doesn't have to be here needs to go and that's what they were telling all of the tourists in all the different towns if you don't have to be here you need to go um, because we had already just had all of this like you know with with all the power out and everything there's no lights on inside the house so as night falls you can look out to the horizon and just see the red glow coming up behind all the trees of the bushfires that are like you know 10 or 15 kilometers away from where you are um massive plumes of smoke going up in the sky so um we said okay we're gonna try and get the fuck out of here got everything packed up and went down to the to the main road that leaves the town and immediately hit a queue of hundreds of cars backed up to leave because uh, of course the highways and stuff were still closed um and then it just turned into a great big fun waiting game of trying to trying to figure out just what to do just sitting in the car with like half a tank of petrol and and kids love that kids love being stuck in a car that is not moving uh, for hours on end kids love being in a stationary car for hours so we sat there for three hours um and moved about six car lengths uh before my dad walked down from his house and strolled over to the car where (laughs) where we were and said hey (laughs) Um, and the kids got out and just played on the grass nearby and stuff. And of course, everybody was being really good. And there was a a lot of nice community spirit from everybody. Like the, some people at the house next to where we were waiting, let uh, my wife and kids go in and use the bathroom. There was a woman walking up and down the line of, uh, cars with like a big, um, jug of filtered cold water, offering to refill everybody's water containers and all that sort of stuff. Oh, that's nice. Um, and 
Yeah, so the thing for us that, you know, we could hear over the radio, there's there's cars backed up for miles and people have been waiting for hours and hours and they open the roads for a little bit and then they close them back up again. They don't know how long they're going to be closed for and they're doing emergency backburning and that's going to take hours and people should be prepared to stay overnight in their cars. Um, so we just didn't know what to do because... It was like, well, you know, we could say, oh, well, fuck this. This isn't going anywhere. Let's just go back to my parents' place and stay there. And then you could come back the next day and it would could be exactly the same or the line could be twice as long or whatever. So I just stayed with the car and my wife and kids went back to my parents' place. Um, and so I wound up sitting in the car waiting for six hours um, until they finally got to the point of saying, okay, we've cleared the roads enough and the police are going to uh, start escorting groups of people through, like 50 cars at a time. Um, and then we finally got going and drove through uh, the Sussex Inlet Road that goes to the town, Sussex Inlet, where my folks are. And yeah, just seeing everything just gone between there and the highway, you know, um, just just like blackened matchsticks sticking out of the dirt and nothing else uh, as far as you can see and then we did get up to the highway uh, the highway was blocked on one side but unblocked the direction we needed to go which was good and we went up that way and again just everything burnt as far as you could see and still smoldering fires and tree trunks everywhere and then just like the occasional house sitting there that was like just fine <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah and then we finally got far enough away to like a, a, a coastal town sort of you know an hour away uh, to feel like we were clear of it and safe uh, and then we could start our four hour drive home <laughs> So, a, a drive that normally took us about three and a half hours door to door uh, wound up taking 11 hours. Um, big shout out to my kids for being so fucking good throughout everything. Cause oh, we get it. You love your kids. I do love <laughs> my kids. I love my kids because we, we had that 11 hour day of, of just you know me and me and elna being like so on edge and stressed out and not knowing what was happening or what to do and there just there wasn't a moment of either of them complaining or crying or anything because oh, wow. that shit makes it worse i would have been if, a huge asshole that's oh. impressive man you're a grown woman i know <laughs> it just it like we you know me and elna had one moment of snapping at each other about something um but and then the kids were like, you're grown-ups. You shouldn't be yelling at each other. <laughs> like, fuck off. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it just makes me think of, you know, five years ago uh, when Evie was a baby. She, like, hated being in the car. So we would drive back and forth between Canberra and Melbourne to see people for the holidays. And she Aww. would cry for, like, five hours. Um, she would just scream. And there was nothing you could do. Like, you, you could stop and get her out of the car and calm her down until she stopped crying and then you'd try to put her back in the car seat and she'd be like, oh, fuck this car seat and start screaming. <laughs> um, and trying to drive like on a highway at nighttime and shit with somebody in a very small space with you screaming at the top of their lungs for hours is is a very nerve-rattling way of driving. That sounds bad. So to to go through that entire day 
and have them just be so good made such a difference, obviously. Um, Wait, can I just then, backpedal a little? Uh, sorry? Can I just backpedal just a tiny bit? Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Sounds like learning to drive with my mum. <laughs> and my mum. You see, see like a, a car, uh, you know, at a cross street, like several blocks away and be like, oh my God, look out! Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... So, yeah, then we drove back to Canberra and, of, of course, again, as we started to get back into Canberra, more and more smoke and the visibility going down and down to the point where you can only see 500 meters in front of you. We were driving back in at night time by that point, so it meant that you just couldn't see anything. It was just like driving through an inky void. And the only thing you could see was the taillights and headlights of other cars on the highway. Uh, but then we finally got back home and all got in and said at last we're all safe we're all okay time to start getting ready for the catastrophic bushfire uh warnings forecasted for today oh at which it is a balmy 42 degrees which is roughly 108 ish it's about 2000 made up degrees Mm, yeah mm, 100 kelvin so um (laughs) So, like, uh, and look, l- let me just say, obviously, what we've been through isn't like what people have been through who've been, you know, on on the coast and have been staying in accommodation. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to be stuck in a place with no power, horrible smoke outside, and, like, you have one hotel room with your several children because you were like, my children will be running around outside or my kids will be, like dicking around at this caravan park with people or whatever um i can't imagine what it was like for people who had to get evacuated onto the beach and then pushed back into the water um i think it would be absolutely horrifying and it's it's just it is really fucked up to be there and be like you know how how much am i meant to be telling my kids in terms Mm. of what they're meant to be worried about how worried am i meant to be that's a, a genuinely really like a, a a really difficult thing is to be like you you cannot be panicking about everything the whole time um you can't be thinking about it absolutely every second of the day or you will go fucking crazy um but by the same token you can't ignore what's happening you can't not be dialed into it because as we've seen everything changes so quickly Everything changes so quickly with all of this stuff that you need to be listening and you need to know what's going on. Um, so basically, yeah, just the the whole time for the last week or two, I've I've had the the level of anxiety of Theo being called <laughs> out to join a game of pickup basketball at Venice Beach. Oh my Beach. god! <laughs> you know? Is that a, is that a, is there a thing that could actually happen? It could happen at any time. Oh my potentially. Imagine Theo, um, you're in you're in the 1992 movie White Men Can't Jump. Oh, uh, and I'm the white man. You're sitting in the bleachers. <laughs> you're sitting in the bleachers Fuck. watching watching a game of street hoops take place on a half court. Uh, when all of a sudden, all of them stop and turn to you and say, "Hey, white boy, uh, you can't jump. Get over, get in here. Get over here and start playing." Also, uh, we are skins, so pop that shirt off real quick. <laughs> That's how I felt for... Oh, no. That sounds it's, bad. It's interesting because, like, you know, I, I, I know people who 
uh, suffer from like generalized anxiety and stuff like that. And for, for me, it's obviously been like difficult with all of the levels of bushfire smoke and warnings and then all of the stuff we've just been through in the last week or so to just have like this this just low low humming terror uh in the bottom of your chest all the time of not only what are the actual direct threats but even stuff like all of the bushfire smoke i've just found this to have like this cumulative effect on me over the last however many weeks of like this this animal part of your brain that would normally be saying hey see all this stuff around here this is a sign that uh, something bad is happening or coming and you shouldn't be here you should be trying to get away from this and yeah just just having this really low level internal instinctual attempt by your body to to trigger like your fight or flight responses to particular Mm. things um it's it's just kind of nerve rattling all the time well, there's nothing and to worry about, though. I'm sure the government of Australia is uh, doing so much to end these bushfires immediately. They're probably all over it, right, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and before we get to that, I'm going to list some more depressing things about what this fire has done. Uh, cool. So, wish you wouldn't. <laughs> well, get ready. Uh, so, this is specifically for New South Wales, the, the two facts that I'm about to tell you, uh, which is where the bulk of the fire has been. I think it's been about... 3.6 million hectares, which is more than half of the 5.9 million total. Uh, so these ecologists at the University of Sydney put out a paper where they estimated about 480 million animals died as a result a of the billion. fire. Half, half a billion. Half a billion. Almost. So this list does not include insects, bats or frogs. It does include mammals, birds and reptiles. Hmm. And then they put out a follow-up paper uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday where they said, well, that's actually an extremely conservative estimate. We actually think it's way more. A half a billion or more. More. More than half a billion. Mm -hmm. So, if that was uh, people, that'd be, what's that, about a 14th of the population of the planet? Yeah. That's one bit of Indonesia. Pretty cool. Um, they also reckon about 8,000 koalas have died, uh, <sighs> which is about... It could be about a third of the population of koalas in New South Wales, which is... Um, yeah. Just think this about sucks, that for a man. while. Yeah. We had to tell our kids not to look out the windows too much oh, as we were shit. coming down the highway. Dead animals. All the, all the, like, toasted kangaroos and shit that you see that are just these little... Blackened shapes of their legs sticking up. This news is all around the world, by the way, particularly the koala deaths. Well, I wonder really yeah, hit the, the Americans thing, hard. There was like a um, a, th- a photo where um, a, a cyclist was um, giving water to a koala. Yeah. In in Australia, it's like heartwarming. Cyclist saves koala with water, and all across everywhere except Australia, it's like a uh, half charred koala uh, fends off death for a little while and then dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is a way more accurate summation of the of the situation, and just it goes to show that uh, Australia's media, except for the ABC, is uh, and the and the Guardian, uh, is absolutely fucked, uh, and they are, have they have no idea what they're dealing with. They have no concept of what they're dealing with. Um, oh man, I think I got rid of this from the document, but there was a particularly depressing quote from a guy talking about the uh, the koala deaths, 
where he's like, well, we'll never really know because the fires are burning so hot that by the time we get into there, there will be no remains left. Mm. Very cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and there have been people have died. The When I checked yesterday, I think we're about an estimated 22 deaths. Uh, there's a whole bunch more people missing. There's been, I think... Th- at least three of those have been volunteer firefighters, two who were both fathers with, like, basically newborn kids. Uh, a tree fell on their fire truck. No volunteer one was a, firefighters. A 20- volunteer firefighters. To, uh, note that. Um, a- another one was a, a 28-year-old volunteer firefighter who was in a truck with three other firefighters when a fire tornado picked it up flipped it on its roof and he got trapped in there and died the other three lived he had a pregnant wife which is cool uh we've lost about 2200 buildings so far i think is the estimate uh yeah it's been pretty devastating and then uh while all this was happening our prime minister was in hawaii throwing up the single worst shaka that i have ever seen in my life it looked like shit and he was just in fucking he was in waikiki he just looked like he was having the dumbest rich white guy holiday the most basic bitch holiday basic bitch holiday what a piece of shit you know the uh the right hand rule that you'll do to figure out uh like which direction currency is going when it's perpendicular to something yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's essentially what he was doing with his shaka as well. Also yeah, the, it's it's way too vertical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too rigid. The ninety degree angle between his pinky and his thumb, which is heinous. Yes, it's yeah. It, look, I know we've got bigger tragedies going on, but this is a tragedy in itself, and you you hate to see it. A national disgrace. He just couldn't get back. Apparently, he uh, couldn't get a flight back to Sydney. That's what I read. Well, I mean, he wasn't in Hawaii. Well, Until he right. was. Well, that's because yeah. his uh, his press secretary. Uh, well, it's his press secretary's the the PM's office was like that because Samantha Maiden, journalist, put up that screenshot of her texting the PM's office, being like, "Hey, I've heard he's in Hawaii. Here's a bunch of stuff," and they just replied, being like, "Don't believe everything you see on Twitter." And then they told then someone he- else that it was categorically false. Uh, and then for some reason. After two volunteer firefighters died when a tree fell on their truck, um, he was in Hawaii, but he was heading back. He was cutting his holiday short. Um, what a tragedy! That is so generous. Yeah. Would everyone like to feel mad for a little bit? Would that make you feel? Good? I'm already there. Would you like to be angrier? <laughs> I had on. the time scheduled in to be mad, so it would be a shame a to bit. waste it. You'd, give us you a little as a treat. All right, I'm going to give you the two most obnoxious quotes from Morrison addressing the fact that he was away, right? This is him speaking on 2GB. Uh, We had planned to spend it down on the South Coast, as we usually did, but we had to bring it forward, as I said, because of the commitments we had in India and Japan. So we had to tell the girls we wouldn't be spending as much time down there. So in return, I tried to give them a bit of a surprise and take them there. I think that's what dads try and do if they can when they've been working hard all year. I know there's lots of dads and mums out there who work hard all year and try and treat their kids at this time of year and... Mate, that's just what I was trying to do. It's just unfortunate it's come at such an awful time, particularly for those living around Sydney and New South Wales. I'm just a regular dad. I've been working bloody hard. Just going a into daggy dad. Office getting paid over half a million dollars a year, and I just wanted to nip off to Hawaii with my kids what at Christmas, like every working bloody family does. I just... I, I, not, not to sound terribly unkind, if I do. Oh, oh but, go on. But... <laughs> There, there has been this talk of like 
when people have been coming to his defense here and saying, everyone's entitled to a holiday. Hey, work-life balance is important. Scott no. Morrison is a worker. You're the prime minister. You don't no. have a right to work-life balance. You gave well, that number, up. Yeah, num- number one. Number one, like, you know, talk, like talk in the corporate world of wellness and stuff like that is fucking horse shit. And I hate it. It's it's all it's all just this fucking garbled masquerade of of like ways that you can say that you're looking out for your employees without doing things like just giving them more leave. You mm-hmm. know, pizza instead. Yeah. What if uh, what if we had a foosball table, but you still had to work until nine p.m. Mm. Like wellness, wellness. Um, hey, what if we every now and then sent you an email saying, you know, what you should do on your own time with your own money is try meditating. Um, just shit like that. It's fucking bullshit. And it's, again, one of one of these corporate-speak things for, hey, we're looking out for everyone and doing good um, in a way that does not require us to say, what if we did things like more aggressively defended or shored up your entitlements? What if we did things like paid you more money or gave you more leave to spend away from work with your family or did shorter hours or a fucking four-day work week or whatever, any of those things. But Andrew, things. he was just trying to practice self-care. <laughs> just just doing a self-care in Hawaii for his poor in fucking Hawaii. hard done by wife and kids. Ignore toxic you know you, people. You know when your job just gets too hard and you're like, boss, I gotta, I gotta take a... He's taking break. I'm going to take a day. day. I'm taking a mental health day. And I assume in this context, that's the Governor General. I don't really know who he applies to for leave. And they're like, look, we've got, got some big projects on. Uh, number one uh, is really the only one that I can think of right now is uh, there's a fire the size of uh, three quarters of a Croatia. Um, not quite Croatia level yet. Uh, maybe we need to band together and and do that. And he's like, no, I'm entitled to this. Call, uh, call me when I'm it's a, a whole bloke. Croatia. Yeah. Call me when it's a whole Croatia. When when you get to the one Croatia, I'll come back. Uh, and also make sure to lie to anybody that asks as well. About three quarters of Croatia, I think, is a Costa Rica. If you want that number. <laughs> so so number one, the the fucking you know work life balance and wellness type shit that journalists have been putting out in his defense fuck off mm-hmm. as soon as he starts to show any fucking level of concern for the work-life balance or wellness or whatever of your average worker of all of the people that he's been so happy to see their fucking jobs casualized and their hours shortened and put on the contracts instead of having a permanent role or anything like that he can go and fuck off and i don't really give a shit about his fucking kids number one they get to go to the fanciest fucking schools and all that sort of thing. They get school holidays just like everybody else. If it's that fucking important to you to spend however much time with your kids on a regular basis on their holidays, don't be the fucking prime minister. Mm. I don't mm. fucking care. Like, if, like uh, you know, do your fucking term and then go and hang out with them. I can't believe I wasn't here. I can't believe I left Hawaii when I could have seen that piece of shit in the flesh oh, just you, you sitting could've... motionless alone in his chair while the sun slowly sets yeah. wasn't he at like a weird resort that was only for military personnel as well like really yeah, yeah it was something weird about that which i think it might have been a security thing or some shit but no, i would have gone down to waikiki for this i you never go to waikiki I his ass that's right kiki and but anyway here's another quote it. um this one will so, 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 can I just say as well, this is not the first time 
to my recollection that he has um that he's like used children as a shield for something that was politically inconvenient for him to talk about oh it's it's totally unsurprising because his whole his whole shtick right apart from being a ex-marketing guy is he's just a dorky dad he's just oh he just loves his kids so much i'm and rigid didge i'm he's, dinky he's, die i wear he's bad hats dinky die as fuck and like it's it's totally unsurprising and yet still depressing at the moment. Um, like at the same time, to see him just still try and apply um, like disaster response through the lens of being a dad instead of being <laughs> like through the lens of being a the fucking, leader of a country, the leader of the country. He's not and, like, even good like at said, marketing. He's not even good at it. And the and like the 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 idea that people would find this and like he, he's he's stuck on this now, right? Like he's fucked because he can't be super serious to go back on it. But like. The idea that that um, people would look at him like going, "Oh, this is all too hard," and fucking off to Hawaii with his children, while uh, people are sitting in their cars uh, waiting to see whether the inferno would catch up with them and their children, right? Like while they while their government continues to uh, attack, you know, climate change, climate science, and continues to attack. Um, the uh, you know the ABC and all this sort of stuff. Well, but I, that would I noticed, be seen I as being positive. Nobody's asked him why he didn't take his fucking kids to the south coast this year. <laughs> oh, that's where we usually go. Oh, so why? Yeah, oh, why Hawaii? Anyway, Ben, I'm I'm amped up now. Hit me with the fucking quote. All, all right, right, get ready. I'm gonna get your resting heart rate to hummingbird levels. Yeah, yeah, it's 120 now. <laughs> Um, so this is what he said at his press conference, which is maybe the single most fucking passive-aggressive thing I've ever read in my life, and it makes me want to shit myself. And maybe I will. Um, I get it that people would have been upset to know that I was holidaying with my family while their families were under great stress. They know I will not stand there and hold a hose. I am not a trained firefighter, nor am I an expert like those in the next room doing an amazing job. But I am comforted by the fact that Australians would like me to be here simply so I can be here alongside them as they go through this terrible time. Oh, you all were angry at me because you missed me so much. That's why you're angry at me. Tony Abbott's on the fucking hose. Good grief. (laughs) And you're supposed to be out in front. You're not supposed to be side by side with Australians, you fucking idiot. Like, you think of all the the state-level emergencies that we've had in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, right? The floods in in Brisbane and the Premier gets up and they're, they're working with all the experts and all the experts sort of come to some sort of, um you know, 30-second, a minute kind of um, summary to give to people. And then the Premier gets up and uh, he or she says those words uh, to the people as a leader to say, hey, this is what we've done, this is what the situation is, this is what we're doing. Not be like, oh, I know you guys, look, I would just be in the way if I was on that fire hose. So I was just going <laughs> to, you guys, you know it would be better for me to be doing fucking nothing, right? What? Like, I know you guys love me so much, I'll just be... Uh, I'll be with you, not with, not with you, or like side by side with you in the, uh, you know, in your house or even in the same country. But I'll be with you there. I'll be, you know, in in spirit, um, you know, the the Holy Spirit. So I'll be so. in the next room sucking my own dick. But uh, let me know if I can order some pizza for you or something. Now, there's there's several issues with this, of course. Number one, as people have pointed out, during. Uh, which which ones which day of the week were the uh the victorian ones named after um where there was a whole there was the whole scandal about um by by the right-wing papers about um fire commissioner um or police commissioner or whatever christine nixon 
um, going out for, for dinner, going to dinner while the bushfire emergency was happening. Was that and a course- gastro pub? I believe was the word I saw used. Oh, that it was that it was a nice dinner. That's yeah. the problem. She so so she she went to dinner, and I believe the the timeline was that basically they'd been told, okay, we're having a bit of a lull, but we're expecting it to get really fucked up again later. So just go and go and eat something now, and then come back. And she did, and it was this big thing where all the right wing papers had this big beat up about, ah. Oh, Commissioner eats a meal during this disaster. And, of course, people were able to dig up the footage of one fucking Scott Morrison um, back when he was in the opposition on Q&A talking about how how much of a bad look it was and how much of a bad choice it was for Christine Nixon to go and eat a fucking meal while all this was happening. And, you know, he didn't say, oh, she's not going to be there holding a hose. No, instead it's about you are one of the state figureheads who is coordinating the response to this thing and you need to be present and aware of what's going on and like, and also just being the public face of some of this stuff. Yeah, imagine if you'd signed up for pager duty, except, you know, your pager only goes off when half of the fucking country is on fire. <laughs> and you're like, hey, that's a pretty good deal, all right? Most of the time, I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to, you know, take my kids to, to Hawaii. I'm going to go golfing, uh, enjoy not sitting in parliament for any period of the year for some reason. Uh, but then if the country's on fire or maybe underwater, those are the two things, fire, water, um, you can call me. You just just hit me on the pager, and I'll be I'll be right there. Imagine that those were the terms of your employment. Um, but you but go, again, hey, the country's on fire. Fair call, uh, honey. I got to go. I just got to. We just ticked over from fifty to fifty-one percent, and it is time for me to go back. Spring in action. Now, of course, the other massive fucking issue with this is that like these fires have been going for a long time now during all of this there have been various different bodies desperately signaling how bad this was going to get and asking for a nationally coordinated response from the government morrison has refused to meet with like groups of former um, fire service chiefs who all got together and said this is a really big serious issue and the government needs a coordinated response to it and we would all like to sit down with you and talk about it and he just refused to meet with them there's been a whole bunch of different stuff where he's basically just been completely fucking missing in action Um, they had a whole timeline on the guardian of the last sort of week or two of just how many days in a row he just wasn't seen in public Um, And, like, it's not a matter of, oh, people know that I'm fucking useless and basically shouldn't even have a job. Oh, shucks, I'm just Prime Minister. What am I supposed to do? It's my first day. It's my first day. (laughs) It's my first day. People know that. No, it's that, like, you actually have a fucking job that is, you should be up there making decisions and helping to coordinate the responses to this stuff. He even had a fucking quote out in the news of saying like dismissing people's criticism of him and saying oh the last thing that people want is the federal government coming in and stepping all over toes on in these yeah state it's not really the responses. vibe we're going for in this government we're kind of a kind of a minimalistic easygoing <laughs> yeah. government uh, more of a hands-off kind of government we're, we're like, sort of like the brutalist of governments right just a sheer concrete wall that you cannot get past the powerhouse government yeah 
and and <laughs> not the bands Bauhaus. They're not goths. <laughs> I don't know. Call me crazy though. You're crazy. Um, You're crazy. It's, it's almost like once there are fires happening in almost all the different states and territories in the country, what would a word for that be? Perhaps a national thing that is happening that maybe a federal federal government could get involved with. Oh, yeah, there's just been all these people asking for all these different resources and everything. And what do we get from them is like, oh, but, you know, you know, I'm not actually going to be doing anything. It's not like there have been big logistical issues and communication issues when a fire straddles a state border because they're getting different alerts for different areas and they have different ways of rating things and they are using... Obviously, each state's own resources on their state side of the border, even though it's the same fire, and that that could be alleviated by some sort of national coordination. So it's fine. Can I? I just I, we've been saying a lot of negative things, and so I'm, I'm going to chime in with something positive. Oh, great! Just try and bring the mood up a little bit. So we give um, Albo a lot of shit, Anthony Albanese. You know, he's he's kind of easy to make fun of. Uh, Is it because he sucks? He's a bit of a useless fuck and he's a bit of a shithead and he's trying to reach some sort of made-up political consensus that doesn't exist by being just piss-weak about everything. But when it comes down to it, the core belief of this man is that he loves fighting Tories. That's what he does. He fights Tories. And when the PM chose to go on a holiday at a time of national crisis in just an incredibly tone-deaf fucking stupid move... He was there to say this. I'm not going to be critical of Mr. Morrison personally in terms of his circumstances of him taking leave with his family. That would be cheap politics and I'm not into that. You fucking weak prick. <laughs> I fucking weak hate piece him of so shit. much. Because obviously he's not going to say anything because he's worried that if he ever takes a holiday, he's yeah. you know, going to get in shit for it. But I think there's a pretty easy solution to this. I think he'd be fine if he never took a holiday in the midst of unprecedented catastrophic bushfires i think a, if he avoids a raging doing that, national disaster perhaps. yeah like if the whole country was in peril probably don't nip off to a bungalow somewhere and you're probably okay i think it's fine to maybe say hey he probably shouldn't have done that but also um as as has been noted labor took a policy to the last election for a big round of funding for like state firefighting services and to establish like a a big aerial firefighting force and all that sort of thing perhaps this would be a good time as people are feeling this unbridled level of fury at the prime minister and his complete seeming detachment from this issue to point out the fact that when we went to the last election you actually had a plan to contribute positively in some way to this and that maybe if you had have been elected, um, there would have already been proactive measures taking place before all of this happened. Perhaps a bunch of homes could have been saved. But no, unfortunately, Anthony Albanese's number one, uh, number one strategy as opposition leader seems to be, hey, let's keep the politics out of it. If there's one thing people hate, it's politics. And that's why I, the leader of a political party, will not be doing any more of them. Uh, just completely fucking asleep at the wheel. I believe Great they're stuff. they're uh, they're doing spaghetti politics, which is where they hide behind a pot plant uh, <laughs> until the time is right, and then they will 
jump out and yell spaghetti at someone. And that's how politics works. Here's uh, something positive to say. If everything Scott Morrison believes is true, then hell is real and he will be burning there for all eternity. Oh, that is quite nice. It's just going to be him uh, in just unbearable heat, smoke you can't breathe in, just fucking up handshake after handshake. Mm-hmm. Just slippery, oh. wet handshakes being offered by him and taken away by other people, sliding out, avoiding his eye contact. And he, he gets to do that for about... I would say maybe 200,000 years. And then it's on to the dick peeling. Now, <laughs> so it's handshakes first and then they'll flay his dick. Now, we're going to have to talk like about a this for a minute. Just... The dick peeling? We got... We, well, we'll talk about that next. But uh, Yeah, I mean, you can boil the dick, like score it, and then... Boil, and if okay, you, if I think you put it straight into ice water this, but... uh, immediately <laughs> afterwards, it actually just comes off by itself. Now, if you're an international listener, it is possible... That you have seen some footage of the things that I am about to describe. Um, so, so as Ben has said of this timeline, we've had um, a months-long fire season during which Scott Morrison has basically refused to um, acknowledge all the stuff that's happening. He's he's just we refused to take meetings with all these different people asking for more funding for the services that would have helped to mitigate some of this stuff. Um, because, hey, we wouldn't want anything to impact that budget surplus. Uh, Then we've had him being on holiday while all of this is happening. It's worth noting as well that as this stuff was starting to reach its peak, the Liberal Party's New South Wales emergency minister said, right, I'm off to Europe for my holiday. Goodbye. Uh, And then he said, hey, I'll come back if it gets really bad, though. Uh, And then he didn't. Mm. Very cool. And everybody loves it. Um, you would think if there was one thing worth cancelling your holiday over, it would be um, most of the state that you are the emergency minister for being on fire. Uh, but no, apparently this was not worth it. So anyway, Morrison has continued on with all this stuff. Um, he has eventually relented and revealed that he is in fact on holiday, but that he's coming back as soon as possible, which we all strongly suspect was when the holiday was scheduled to end anyway. Um, he's then come back being dismissive of the idea that people are angry about the absolute vacuum of leadership at the top of this country and instead said, no, it's because they love me so much and they wish that I was, uh, spooning all of them in a comforting way during this trying time. So finally, he started to do a little bit of what everybody basically expected to be happening this whole time anyway, which was doing some press conferences and going around to see some of the people in in some of these affected communities. The press conferences have not gone well, um, as he has been very sort of angrily and shirtily dismissing any sort of talk about... Oh, it's just a Twitter thing. Oh, it's just people on the it's Blue just, website being mean to me. Everybody else loves me. Everyone else loves me. Um, you know, like, I, I feel like he's struggling a lot to not repeat the line that, like, uh, Nationals leader and uh, Deputy Prime Minister Michael McCormick has, which is, it's all just um, inner city lefty greenies woke capital city raving lunatics who want to make political mileage out of this um so he has started to go around and do some tours and it's there that we have been subject to some of the most cripplingly excruciating footage of a prime minister trying to talk to people 
that we've ever fucking seen. I can't even uh, watch it. It's so painful. They went to the town of Cobago, um, which had been mostly wiped out, I believe. Yep. Um, went right through the main street of the town, basically yep. destroying everything there. And in trying to do his photo opportunities, he's walked up to um, a pregnant lady who and held out his hand to shake her hand. And now the cameras are rolling on this and the audio is on. And she can be heard quite clearly saying, I'm not going to shake your hand unless you give more money to the firefighting service um, that they need. He's then just, without acknowledging her, reached down and grabbed her hand, shoved it into his own outstretched hand and shaken it a few times uh, and then dropped it. And she then starts to say, sounding very distraught, you know, we've lost everything, we need help, we're not getting enough help. And he just kind of turns around and starts walking off as the local council member who's there with Scott Morrison just steps in between them. Um, and in what I think is is probably supposed to look like he's comforting her, instead just basically provides a human shield for Scott Morrison, in which he steps between the two of them and just like restrains her with his and body plants a big wet kiss on her cheek at the same time as well why it's uh, disgusting i hate just some it. really weird interactions going on there between the two of them it just it just genuinely like it genuinely to me i just I, you know obviously there's there's lots of people lots of um like you know, the old centrist boomers who love to freak out about everything on Twitter and stuff saying, ah, he assaulted that woman by touching her when she said she wasn't going to shake his hand and stuff like that. And like, you know, he's not assaulting her, but like, it's ex- like it's Morrison. It's pretty gross. It's, it's extreme, fucking alien ex- behavior. Extremely fucking weird. But also, I, I don't think that there is any interpretation of it that can be offered other than the him turning his back on the woman who is publicly grieving and asking him for help and then some weird fucking liberal dude immediately coming in and effectively like just controlling that woman's body with his body however you would like to put it uh however you would like to classify that he has basically just moved in to just block her and move her away um everybody in the town has then just started yelling at them and saying, fuck off, you won't find any votes here. Scummo! Scummo! They're yelling. Um, and they just turn around and trot off to the big BMWs that they arrived in and immediately hightail it out of town. Yeah, I mean, they've showed up... He's showed up expecting that people... What people want from him is for him to be there and for emotional support. But what people actually want from him is that... Uh, plus him to run the government. And to see him just walk smack bang into the wall of the consequences of his and his government actions uh, is astonishing. You don't get to see that on tape very often. And and but we've seen it over and over again in the last couple of days. You'd think that um, once you had to, like, make someone shake your hand by just reaching out and grabbing the hand they didn't extend to you, you wouldn't do it again? Oh hey, uh, I would she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to shake my hand. I wonder whether I may I do, do some self-reflection. Um, or is she just a, a raving, pure, enlightened greenie that uh, doesn't believe in uh, hazard reduction? 
Well, and this, this, of course, was immediately the line that was run by uh, very right-wing people in the media and on Twitter was, oh, but Cabago's a town of old hippies and everything. So they're big raving leftists and they hated him anyway. And they're just, they're just using the chance to, to yell at him and everything. But no, yeah, and they're right to do so. Instead, um, he, there is more footage. Ugh. Of him walking up to a fire services volunteer in his uniform who is sitting down in a in a shed um, and again walks over to this guy and stretches his hand out and the man says to him again on tape, I don't really want to shake your hand. And what do you do? What do you do when someone says that to you? Um, hey, do you take it lying down or do you employ your no nonsense get things done attitude? And, you know, resolve the handshake that you, you began. Because, hey, you know, you don't want to leave a job half done. Oh, we're just that- two blokes being blokes. And what it- do blokes do? You shake his hand. It'd be embarrassing yeah. if he left him hanging, so... It would have be, been be embarrassing. You want to be cucked. It would no, have been no, it would have been embarrassing if he just went, you know what, uh, I understand you're upset and I'm going to listen to why you're upset. That would have been super weird. Mm. Um, so instead, uh, what did he do? Well... Like, I, I guess that he thought to himself, hey, imagine how bad it would look to the electorate if they saw me only do half a handshake and they said, this guy can't get things done. Yeah, imagine um, if you're caught on tape going, like, down low and then you get absolutely too slowed. Mm, terrible break look. your heart. So, instead, um, he reaches out with his right hand, uh, grabs the completely immobile dead fished left hand of this guy that is sitting on his leg picks it up and just just wobbles it two times and lets go um again people are like what the fuck is this guy doing um and then another bit of footage emerges which is of Scott Morrison talking to um, the person who presumably heads up this group of volunteer firefighters who had taken him in there to do his photo op. And it's a bad look all round as the guy who had taken him in there seems to be apologizing to Scott Morrison that the firefighter has not performed as advertised um, in smiling and shaking his hand and everything. Um, And Scott Morrison said... Oh, it's all good. I understand that, you know, he's he's just upset. And the other guy replies, yes, he's just lost his house. Yeah, I'm sure he's just tired. He's not fucking oh, tired. Oh, that was it. His oh, house burned down. I'm sure he's just tired. And he says, yeah, and, and also his house has just burned down. He's lost everything. Um, just, and, and he doesn't say, oh, fuck. He's just like, and, oh, yep, it's all good. Yeah, it's a real Tony Abbott, uh, I'm sure you understand, uh, sometimes shit happens moment. Just, yeah, just the, the tone deafness, the absolute inability to, to just empathize with people. And the thing that struck me the most about it, of course, was that it is so, it's just so transparent that he has said, ah. Oh, well, we're obviously at the point where I've got to do some damage control. I obviously have to... Not, not actual damage control, just uh, of my image. No, no, rehabilitation okay. of my government, not rehabilitation of 
fire service or uh, you know the area is damaged or anything like that. No, no. Instead, it's um, it's just regular old PR style uh, damage control. How can control. we spin this? How can we make this uh, a positive? We need to get out there and and show you know us us getting along with people and people being grateful for me being there. And what I was so struck by with the footage of the woman was the way that as soon as it became clear to him that he wasn't going to get what he came for out of the the exchange, he just turns his back on her and starts awkwardly shuffling away from the encounter. He doesn't say... Well, this is useless to me. Yeah, he doesn't say, oh, I'm so sorry, please tell me what you need. I'm listening, I'm here for you or anything like that. I can see how upset you are or anything. He literally just turns his fucking back on her and walks away. And it's just so clear that it's just a transaction to him and that she wasn't going to give him what he wanted out of the transaction, which was to be seen, you know, getting a hug or a handshake or whatever from him on camera. And what was she supposed to get out of the exchange? A handshake from the PM, and you, well, you should just shut the fuck up That's and be happy exciting. about it. He's a hideous fucking ghoul. I hate he him. He absolutely is. Like the the level with of like just just the seeming complete and utter inability. Zero empathy for any of this. Just we should yeah. we should have known when he had his uh, those those sneakers photoshopped onto the photo of him. <laughs> he was an absolute freak from the start. Well, when you know, obviously, I was I was talking to my parents about this while we were away, and my my mother was trying to make sense of all of this as well, saying, you know, like we 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 were sort of talking about, you know, are, are they trying to figure out like the what is the best way to spin all of these things and all that sort of stuff? And she said, you know, I don't I don't think that it's even that conscious or anything. I think it's just that he just doesn't have the ability. He just doesn't have it in him to just be a normal, decent human person to these people. He has and of no course, soul. He's a horrible void of a person. Yeah, I think he is 1,000% a massive fucking ghoul. And I, I think as well that he is the, the perfect culmination. What we're seeing from him right now is the perfect culmination of the way that Australian politics has been going for the last decade or so, which is that each of the leaders of each of the last several leaders of the Liberal Party in Australia has been shown over and over again that the thing that you will be rewarded for electorally is having like a three word slogan, mm. um, basically lying whenever it suits you. But being most, cruel to immigrants. Being cruel, but most importantly, never ever acknowledge that something has gone wrong or not gone the way it was supposed to go, or that you could have done something better. Because I feel like that is the thing that we that we have been so devoid of in political leadership in this country for what seems like a really long time now, is this ability to say, hey, we massively fucked up this robo-debt thing, and we made a bunch mm. of people's lives really hard, and we're going to really look at what went wrong and just try keep, and fix keep it. Keep leaving it. Just leave it until it runs its course. Just leave it until it runs its course. And, and the problem is that I think that they are so fucking stuck in this mode of, well, you know, we kind of, we picked our narrative at the start, which was there have always been bushfires, 
It's all there have always been droughts here and it's you know, country's gonna do what it's gonna do. And they're so stuck on this path of we're just we're just gonna keep saying, look, it's all fine and it'll all sort itself out. And we can't change course now. We can't change course on our climate policy. We can't change course on showing empathy to people. We can't change course on spending money where it needs to be spent instead of obsessing over a fucking theoretical budget surplus. We can't do any of those things. And so instead, what we wind up is the Prime Minister's New Year's address where he says, hey, what a great country we live in where we all have a positive attitude uh, and everybody loves it. And how good's the cricket? Maybe the cricket how will make the cricket. Maybe the cricket will will inspire some of whoever it is that's having some not so good things happen to them. Oh yeah, let's get uh, let's just lose our troubles in the cricket, which has been having problems with playing on days where the air quality is so bad that it's toxic. Like beyond a metaphor, just this smoke. You can see uh, there was a there was a, a match um, about a month ago where you could literally see the bushfires on camera um, from through the stands. Didn't they have uh, to hospitalise one of the fucking star players with smoke inhalation? Probably. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, 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 but, Andrew, going back to what you, what, what you were saying, though, they're, they're doing all of this and, and with the express understanding that um, the media will carry them every step of the way. The News Corp media will just have their backs the entire way. Uh, I know we're all out of time on this episode, but I'd love to. I'd love to cover it on another one. Uh, I, I feel like this is going to put us a fair bit over time, but I might just do a little bit more. Fuck it, let's go. Uh, just, I really want to touch on what the media is doing with this because. The, the whole News Corp really pushing this, hey, it's 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 anything but climate change narrative is is pretty fucked. Uh, and also this links into some more stuff about how fucked the climate is. So this is fun. Get ready for that, Theo. Uh, so going to start with Miranda Devine here because she's really summed up this whole thought. So instead of writing a new piece on her beliefs about fire problems, she shared one that she wrote 10 years ago. Ten years ago. Ten years ago, uh, where she captioned it saying it was truer today than it was a decade ago, which, I mean, it wasn't true then and it's not true now. The headline <laughs> is, Green Ideas Must Take Blame for Deaths. Mm. Cool. Uh, in the article, she says, and this is a direct quote, It is not arsonists who should be hanging from lampposts, but greenies. Cool. cool. <sighs> it's so uh, good sorry. that you can publish that and we and just you can just let say that whatever happen. you want. It's fine. Uh, so her thesis is that environmentalists have stopped all the hazard reduction burning in this country, which we're going to we'll get into that in a second. Uh, and her one source for this, the one person who says the fires have been because of a lack of hazard reduction burning and that environmentalists caused uh, the lack of hazard reduction burning is the guy who was at the time the Victorian manager of the Timber Communities Australia group, which is a lobbying group entirely funded by the logging industry. Huh. Oh, but they wouldn't. They would know, right? Oh, who, I mean. who better? And if you if you guys really want to dive into this, go back to the episode that I did um, with uh, Ketten. It was a beautiful chat. Uh, we go into all of this. Um, one great takeaway from that was that um, Ketten just went and looked up. He just just went and looked it up on the uh, New South Wales Fire Service um, page with their freely available data that shows that we are performing more hazard reduction uh, this decade 
than the previous decade. It's just there. You can go and look it up. You don't have to write a fucking stupid column uh, and leave your ass hanging out in the wind. You can just go and look it up. Just just like a journalist would, just as a, a normal journalist uh, wanting to have some sort of source, go and find it, uh, from possibly from primary source. Uh, how good would that be? Yeah, but you don't have to do that if you're writing opinions, so don't even worry about it, so it's fine. Uh, obviously, the whole narrative is fucking stupid. The Greens have never held the sway of power anywhere uh, as a party. Uh, the sort of other argument that's being put forward is it's not the capital G Greens, it is just Greenies in general. And the one article, if you look at all the fucking just crazy people on Twitter that are pushing this line, they point to one incident where some environmentalists in East Gippsland, Victoria, uh, did some protests that dropped uh, 370 hectares of planned hazard reduction burns down to nine hectares of uh, some hazard reduction burns that were going to happen. That was a bunch of aging hippies in a town uh, that just said, hey, we don't want this. And that's it. That's that's enough to say that the entire country uh, is burning because of this. But... Uh, it turns out there's actually some other things going on, and it's more complicated than that, would you believe? Huh. So, mm. hazard reduction burns, if you're not familiar, uh, are burns that are done in fire-critical areas where they want to reduce the fuel load. So, the sort of dry stuff that's on the ground, they want to get rid of that uh, so that fire is less likely to spread. So, you can only do that in between the fire seasons right because it's relatively dangerous in fire seasons because obviously that could spark another fire uh there are also a bunch of other flow-on effects from the normal stuff you get from fires from like smoke and whatever but because our fire season's getting longer obviously there's even less time that you can do that uh because our population is spreading out you can only do it in places that aren't going to be threatened if that fire takes off so there are fewer places that you can do it in um I was talking to a friend of mine who he does land management and fire incident control uh, in one of the parks apartments. And his sort of take on it was that there has been some small G green opposition to plan burns and that it's played a little bit into their policy. But there has been substantially more constraint from industry, like tourism, the impacts on road networks and businesses, airports, wine growers. Uh, you can't do it near schools and aged care facilities because of the smoke. Those are the primary drivers for it. And even further than that, uh, once you get to the point where we're at now, when you're in uh, either extreme or catastrophic on the fire danger index, uh, hazard reduction burns do nothing. Uh they, the fires are so hot that they will just jump from tree to tree instead of uh, burning the ground material. Uh, this is from the ABC Fact Check. University of Melbourne Associate Professor Trent Penman, who studies bushfire, bushfire behaviour, told Fact Check, prescribed burning effectiveness decreases with increasing FFDI, which is the Forest Fire Danger Index. When you exceed an FFDI of about 50, you switch from fuel-dominated to a weather-dominated fire. At this point, while fuel has a small effect, it is overwhelmed by the weather. Uh, David Bowman from the University of Tasmania said that in catastrophic conditions, such as those prevailing in the current Queensland and New South Wales bushfires, all organic matter is going to burn. There's so much heat and strong winds that the fire is able to travel across landscapes regardless of whether they've been burnt previously. It doesn't affect the fire behaviour. Uh, as Theo was saying, uh, they've been meeting and exceeding 
their hazard burning coverage targets. So New South Wales, the state most affected by the fire, uh, they hit 106% of their hazard reduction targets last year anyway. Uh, and on top of that, they're being given even less, even fewer resources to actually do these hazard reduction burns. Uh the industrial manager from the Public Service Association said that uh, in the New South Wales Parks Departments, their 289 ranges, including their 28 senior ranges, have been trimmed down to 193 since 2011. Uh, so it's basically literally anyone but... I don't think any of this matters. I don't think anyone who's even writing about this believes what they're saying whatsoever. It's just this pathological inability to accept that anything could be their political party's fault or it could be the fault of climate change. Yeah. Or that it might be complicated. Mm, that yeah. you can't just, like, nail it on one on one thing, which is a terrifying prospect for getting it into a headline. <laughs> sure. You can't well, put me, two things in a headline. Let me, let me round us out here with a thought, because I know we've gone very long, and what we might do is come We're back to We're just very the, angry. We're just we riled up. We're bloody angry, Australia. A couple of Dave Hughes's over here. Oh, so, I'm so mad. I want a birdie beetle. Um, uh, we established that wasn't Dave Hughes in the end, didn't we? Was Don't it someone remember. else, the birdie beetle? No, that, that was him. He did that. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think what, what we might do is come back on a bonus episode and look at the the whole culture war aspect of this and all of the conspiracy theories starting to be circulated and where we expect that to go. Oh, um, that's going to be great. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I guess the, the other thoughts that I had about this are that number one, like you're saying, um, guys, this, this people want to try and make this a single issue. That's what, um, that's what like liberals as a political party want. But the problem is like, it's, it's a perfect example of how this doesn't gel with anything to do with like climate change policy for them. Because for them, what they want their climate change policy to be is to say, well, we could reduce our emissions to zero and it wouldn't get rid of the entire world's emissions. So let's just not do anything. But the problem is that it's more complicated than that. And it is a thing that requires a globalized effort. And if you are one of the highest emitters per capita around the world in a first world country you don't have any kind of leverage to go to other countries and say we need help because we are now starting to see the very long long uh, time predicted increases in temperature making this catastrophic uh, impact on our country we are starting to have longer and drier bushfire seasons we're starting to not be able to do hazard burning because the the season is staying so much longer like when when the the guy uh when the guy in the chopper landed on the lawn of the house i was at i went out and uh, offered him a drink and it was a canadian guy because canadian um and american firefighting forces would come over here and help us during our fire season and Australian pilots will go over there and help during like the Californian fire season and the Canadian fire season. But the problem is that that's starting to be a thing that we can't do anymore because in all of those countries, the fire seasons are now becoming so much longer that they're starting to overlap and they're just going for like, you know, six months of the year. So it's not a thing anymore where we can share these resources like we used to do. 
And as we've seen now, it's not a thing where where we can say, oh, well, you know, it's a volunteer fire force that takes care of this because this fire season has already gone for months and we're only like a month into the fucking fire season. So things are changing. Things are different. You, you need to be able to say, hey, maybe we need to change some of the things we're doing. Maybe we need to look at the fact that there is more than one factor at play here. But none of that shakes out politically for a party that wants to have just a single dumbed down version of everything. So I think that's where we're going to have to leave it for this week. I'm good. I'm going to leave everyone with one one final thought. Oh, um, please. Just a okay. nice little, another message of positivity. Now, this is just something I saw on January 1st, New Year's Day, that just made me smile. Just a little tweet. Um, I'll read it out to you. Here you go. Stay safe and have fun this new year from all of us at ExxonMobil Australia. <laughs> ah, we live in hell. We live in fucking <laughs> hell. Great stuff. So, folks, if you would like to hear that bonus episode where we will talk about what the political commentators within the Australian media have been saying about this and what uh, some of the dumbest people seem to have taken away in response to it, how people are immediately going to uh, rally the worst parts of their brains in order to push away at the idea that any of this is something that's happening for a reason or is anything that we can do anything about. Um, please head on over to patreon.com slash Vista. You can support the show for five US dollars a month and get an extra episode every week. Join us for Hell World 2020. Hell I've got an World article about feet that I'm just putting out there into the ether now so Andrew can't drop it from the schedule. So pop on <laughs> over there. <laughs> and see, you can hear us talking about that and also Theo talking about, um, I believe it's where foot fetishes come from. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. Little so, little educational so episode. So sequel to Where the Wild Things Are, I believe. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. Um, if you are out there anywhere, um, please stay safe. If you have any sort of ability to get away from any of this sort of stuff, please do so. Yeah, um, as every, well, a bunch of people speaking to the media who uh, stayed back to try and defend their homes and properties said, do not stay back and try and defend your homes and property. It is not worth it. Get the fuck out of there. Yep. Um, One other thing here, actually. Um, Aaron Riley on Twitter, at Aaron Riley AU, um, has been organizing um, emergency accommodation for people. Um, so if, if you need a place to stay during the bushfire emergency, you can get in touch through findabed.info. Um, the phone number that you can contact is 027202-6588. That's 027202-6588. You can also send an email to findabedau at gmail.com. So basically people are signing up and registering to say either we have a room that a family can stay in for a couple of days or weeks or months or whatever. Um, a lot of people are banding together to figure out what kind of resources they can share. So if you have, you know, if you're anywhere in the kind of New South Wales, Victoria or surrounding areas and you are able to share any kind of accommodation or anything like that, um, please have a look there and see if there's anything you can do to help people who have just lost everything. Uh, so that's it for us. And have a happy Thanks. new year. Happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. 
Uh, I went to bed at 9.30 on New Year's Eve. Me too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I stayed up till midnight. We're in the upside down. Wow. Good on you, buddy. All right. Uh, That's it, everybody. Thanks very much. Look after yourselves. And, you know, let's try and figure out how we can organize together to get ourselves some better political representation in this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, See you next week, or we'll see you over on the bonus episodes. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.